Well, we are in week three of our series, A Lap with a Legend. And in case you haven't caught the first part of this series, here's the premise. is the idea that, that there's all these men and women of the Bible that are heroes of the faith that are sitting in the grandstands, and Scripture says they're watching you in your race of life. They're witnessing you take your run of life. And what if, one by one, week by week, we could pull them out of the grandstands and take a lap with them and say, what would you say to me? If there was something you could speak into my life from your life, what advice would you give me? And so uh, we started the whole series with Jonah, and then we jumped last week into Sarah. And today... Before we pull out a character from the crowd, let me show you our theme verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. So therefore is a continuation. Anytime you see the word therefore, you have to ask, what is it? Therefore, Hebrews 11 is the hall of fame of faith. It's character after character after character who had incredible faith in the scriptures And so it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, they're witnessing you in your race. They're watching you in your race. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Today, we're pulling out of the crowd the character of Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet about 800 years before Jesus walked on earth. He's probably the most famous of all the prophets because uh, his book is the biggest. Uh, What's interesting about Isaiah in particular is he clearly, clearly saw Jesus. Even the Gospel of John in the New Testament talks about Isaiah seeing the glory of the Lord. He saw the Lord. And that's why he's the only prophet who actually shows in vast detail The crucifixion of Jesus 800 years before crucifixion was even a form of punishment. Like he saw Jesus' crucifixion. He saw Jesus' life. What's interesting about prophets is prophets help us to see. In fact, they're called seers. Another word for prophet is seer. So they see things you don't see, which is why they would prophesy. So God would tell them, hey, the crowd doesn't see this, so say this. And he'd use men like Isaiah to speak these messages. And that's the benefit of studying Isaiah today. The whole goal of this message is to help us see our spiritual journeys more clearly. In fact, here's the theme verse I pulled out of all 66 chapters from Isaiah's book. Chapter 30, verse 21, I think summarizes what Isaiah would say to us. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. He's saying, hey, no matter what your life has looked like up to this point, if you've gone to the right or to the left, if you've taken the right road or the wrong road, if your life is a mess or if your life is okay right now, it doesn't matter where you are. You will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And God will speak to you. Say, Pastor Reed, I've never heard God speak to me. Well, I'm going to tell you why you haven't heard that voice and show you how you can actually have that moment of God where you can understand Isaiah would tell us as we run alongside him this morning, when you're trying to make sense of it all, an encounter with God changes everything. An encounter with God changes everything. So you've met a church and you've heard a message and you've encountered us, so to speak. And those are good things, but you need more. You need more. And let me be very clear. I never intended to lead a church that would just be a place that you go to church. Uh, my, my priority is not to get you to join and become a member. If you do, that's great. That's awesome. And we will celebrate that together. But that's not my priority. My whole goal is to get you close to God. I want you to have an encounter with God in these walls. 
And a lot of you desire that, but you have no idea how to attain that, obtain that. And it's probably because you're going the wrong way. He said, whether to the right or to the left, you've just gone the wrong direction. And Isaiah can help us. He's a seer. Again, he saw the crucifixion 800 years before it happened. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of clarity in your life? Here's the deal. You can. And he's going to teach us how. Write this down. Here's the first one. He would say our greatest pain will serve as a catalyst for our greatest gain. Our greatest pain will serve as a catalyst for our greatest gain. In other words, when we're hurting most, God is generally speaking most. Let me tell you why this is important. Most people's reaction to pain is not to go to God, but to run away from God. So next time, or better yet, if you're in the middle of pain right now, don't run from God, run to God. Run to God. Even if the pain is pain you created, even if the pain is a result of your own mistakes, and I've seen this time and time and time again, people say, Reed, I gotta get myself all cleaned up before I go to God. No, you don't. No, you don't. You just, come on. That's why you're not encountering God. Watch what he says in Isaiah chapter six, beginning in verse one. In the year that King Uzziah died, Now, I could take a whole message just to explain the significance of that phrase, but he says, that was my lowest moment. That was the moment when we lost the best king Israel had ever seen up to that point in history. And then he actually committed sin. He started so well, but finished horribly. And now the whole country is in disarray and darkness. And it was in the midst of that darkness, I saw the Lord. That's when I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. High and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, which are angels, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet, and with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. You just need to know that in the darkest times, just like when King Uzziah died, in the darkest times, don't run from God. Please run to God. I want to read you an email I received from a young lady after the Jonah sermon I did recently. It says this, Pastor Reed, I almost walked out of church when you started preaching last Sunday. I hate the story of Jonah mostly because I always, always feel like him, but don't ever know what I'm running to or from. I'm glad I stayed though. Tears rolled down my face as you preached like I was the only one in the room. And then in parentheses, she put, I love feeling that way uh, when the Lord speaks through pastors. He was talking to me directly. I'm done running. Last Sunday was a new beginning for me. And then she asks how she can get involved in small groups and I was able to respond. But then she closes, listen to this, by quoting Isaiah. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear I will help you. Come on, somebody. Is that not awesome? That's awesome. That's awesome. And to that precious, precious young lady, uh, if that's where you are, you need this message today. You need to know that, yeah, first you did run from God, but now I want you to run to God. And I'm thank God you ran to God. And here's what happens next. When we see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. When we truly see God, we'll truly see ourselves. So before he does anything else, he wants to work on the deepest part of your soul. And this is where some of us start pushing back. No, don't go there, God. I want to go to heaven, but don't leave your hands off me, right? (laughs) We We don't like him messing with us. 
But you can't have an encounter with God if you're not allowing God to show you who you really are. You can't have that encounter. Watch what Isaiah said in chapter six, verse five. He said, woe to me. He realized, man, I'm hurting because King Uzziah died, but I realized I've got my own set of issues. Listen to how he continues. I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King. My eyes have seen the Lord Almighty. So he starts wrestling like, that, like I'm a prophet. This is a prophet of the Lord. A prophet. And he's going, woe is me. Like, I, I've seen the Lord, and I'm a man of unclean lips. I've got issues. Yeah, I was in darkness, but I just realized I've got things I've got to work on. He saw his own condition. And everybody, I'm trying to help you have encounters with God, so you should probably not know that God's going to go there. Where, wherever that deepest part of you is, he's going to pull that up. That's just how God, that's a good God we serve. He's going to touch the deepest parts of you. And the young lady who sent that email to me, let me just say to you, you're making the best decision of your life by getting involved in a small group. Because small groups is where you find community. Small groups is where you find accountability. Small groups is where you're going to find care and a sense of belonging and take next steps. I love the heart of small groups. Because I, I think that's where you get close enough, where you have the courage to say to somebody, Hey, can I tell you the deepest part of me? And you take the mask off that everybody in the room, including myself, is wearing right now. We all have, we all have masks, and we, we hide behind those masks. But you need to have somebody in your world that you can take the mask off and be the true you and expose that stuff into the light. When I was in Austin, I, um, years and years ago, I led a men's small group, and I personally invited 12 men to join me for tacos at Rudy's every Tuesday morning. And uh, we started every session, every single time we started the session, I would ask, I would just say, state the condition of your soul. Who wants to start? And so we'd go around the circle, state the condition of your soul. And, and <laughs> the, 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 first, the first guy go, well, you know, kid's pretty good, wife's pretty good, job's pretty good, it's pretty good, everything's pretty good. And that was all. And then next, you know, and they go to the next guy. And the next guy would say the same thing. Well, everything's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Everything's pretty good. It's pretty good. And I, you're lying through your teeth, bub. Like I can see your lies coming through your teeth. Like they're all, and that's what it was for four weeks. Everybody just, oh, it's pretty good. Everything's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. So I got, it's pretty good. But about week five or so, about week five or so, there was safety and comfort in that group. And I can't even repeat on this stage what was shared with me as they bared their souls. And some of those men, I, I'm going to tell you, I, I watched it. God did a work in them. Uh, whenever they saw themselves clearly, they allowed God to dig up the deepest parts of them and show them who they really were. And those men today are some of the strongest Christians that I know personally. They're amazing men of God. But it just took some time to just take off the mask. You say, Pastor Reed, why am I stuck in my spiritual journey? Because you're not letting God touch the deepest parts of your life. And I want to encourage everybody in the building, everybody that's watching on television, everybody that's on Facebook Live that lives near Snyder, I want you to get a part, be a part of a small group. Now, we're going to do small group training. You heard that in the video a minute ago on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights from 8. And I promise I'll have you out of here by 9, if not sooner. You say, I don't know what that means. I want you to lead a group. You say, I don't want to teach the Bible. You don't have to teach the Bible. Now, some of you may want to do a Bible study as your group, and that's awesome. Lead somebody through the, group, through the book of Romans. Uh, some of you might start a cycling group 
or a coffee group. And you just meet and have coffee. Because again, the heart of these, if spiritual uh, awakening happens, if spiritual maturity and growth happens, that's great. That's just a byproduct. The real reason we're doing this is to make relationships easy and accessible for you. And so you start any kind of group. It's interest-based. Any interest that you have, you start a group, okay? Um, so you just say, I'd, I'd like to start a photography group, or I'd love to start a, let's, let's just go out to eat every night. I'll, I'll be in that group right now. I'm telling you right now, I'll be in that group. But here's what's going to happen is you start meeting, and when you're the leader, you get to determine what day of the week you do it. Do it to your schedule. We got baseball Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Guess we could do it Saturday. Set it up on Saturday. You set up the day of the week, the time of the week that you meet, and you set the qualifications as to who can join your group. So you can say it's only men or it's only women or it's men and women. It's only people that are my age or we're going to welcome everybody from all ages. You set all the parameters and then we'll fill your groups a week from today on Father's Day. We're going to have a chance for the rest of us to join these groups. But I'm encouraging you, come tomorrow, come Tuesday, come Wednesday. You just have to come one time and start a group. Let's start some groups all over this city. It is my heart as a pastor that we have more people in our groups than we have in our services on Sunday. I want this to be a huge outreach tool. I did a small group in Austin where we played football and we had people that loved Jesus that played football and we had people that were very far from God that played football and we led four of those guys to faith and three of them are still faithfully following Jesus and plugged into their active churches. It's awesome. I want that to happen here. So I want you to lead a group. So maybe God's Hey, I want you to lead a group, but we've got to find a place where we can take off the mask and expose the true you. Here's the third one. I'm just trying to help you on your journey. And that is God removes our past so he can redeem our future. For some of you, the reason why you're stuck is you're not headed toward your future. And the reason why you're not headed toward your future is because you've not allowed God to free you from your past. So you've been touched and you've had encounters with God and God's been moving, but here you are and you sit at CHBC week after week after week after week and you feel like, man, what's next for me? I will tell you what's next for you. Get over your past so God can redeem your future. And the problem, the reason why a bunch of us can't see this one and we need, why we need a seer like Isaiah to help us with this one is because you have an, an inaccurate view of God. You have an inaccurate view of God. You might have grown up in church, but all they did was tell you what was wrong with you. They never told you you could do something that changes the world, that God wanted to settle your yesterdays once and for all, and that you could be a difference maker and a world changer. You've never been told that, but it's 100% true. I asked this guy one time, I said, why don't you go to church? And this is what he said to me. He said, because, he goes, because man, if I want to hear bad stuff, I'll just go to my mama. I don't need to go to church to hear all the negative stuff all the time. Listen, God is not a negative God. And he, he, he doesn't want to talk about your past. He wants to settle your past once and for all so that we can move towards this future that he has for you. And it's a glorious one. Isaiah 6, 6 and 7 says this. Then one of the seraphim, one of those angels, flew to me with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar. The altar is the place where the blood is shed that pays for your sins. The altar for us is the cross of Jesus Christ. And so he takes this coal from the altar where sins are paid and he starts flying. He goes, with it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Isn't that beautiful? I'm taking away your guilt. I'm taking away your sin. It's atoned for you need to know that today. And I don't even know who I'm talking to. But the reason why you haven't had encounters with God and your life doesn't make sense is because you're still seeing life through the lens of yesterday. 
And I'm telling you, by the blood of Jesus, he comes and he not only pays for your sins, but Hebrews 8 tells us he cleanses our conscience from everything. Like he changes you, completely changes you. And then I'm going to tell you what he's going to do. Do you know why he's going to change the inside of you? Look at the next verse, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. So God looked at Isaiah and goes, I see a candidate right in front of me. Just a couple of verses ago, he's going, woe is me. I'm a dead man. I'm a man of unclean lips. And now, just a couple of verses later, God is looking. He goes, hey, you'd be a champion for me. And then he asks him, by the way, God's always going to ask you. He's never going to force you. He's going to invite you. Who, who, who will go? <laughs> I see he's right there in the room. I'm your man right here. Send me. And so God's asking you, I want, who's going to go? Who's going who's to help me? Who's going to advance my kingdom? Here I am. Send me. Let me say it this way. Some of you will never experience the best parts of God until you're doing something for God that changes the world. You need to get in the game, everybody. And, and that's why I emphasize almost every week. I know it's ad nauseum. I want you to go to Next Steps. We had a big class again today. Next Steps is our, is our class that you go one time. It meets in the Family Life Center from 9.30 till around 10.30 every Sunday morning. I'm going to teach it until I die. Uh, it's, it's amazing because we're going to help you discover who we are and who you are and how we can best advance God's kingdom together. Now, for those of you that have taken the class, you, you say I haven't heard back from my team leader. That's intentional. I know we talked about maybe doing it at the end of May. We're going to wait till the end of June because we're still seeing pretty big classes. And so we're hoping to get the most of you through the class in the next few weeks. And by the end of June, the team leaders are going to call you. And the gifts that you're discovering that you have, we're going to develop you in those gifts in July, and you're going to start using those gifts at the beginning of August. So if you haven't got a phone call or an email, you're like, I guess they disqualified me. No, we're, we're going to call you. We're just trying to get a, a, as many people through it as possible so we can divide them up on the teams and make everything good so that we can all uh, advance this kingdom together. Amen? So I want you to go to next steps. This is a big, big deal. I want you to start making a difference. Do you want an encounter with God? Do you want an encounter with God? Okay, number one, when you have pain in your life, don't run from it, run to God, run to God. When you get there, you better know God wants to touch the deepest parts of you, so just get ready. And number three, finally, you need to let him settle your yesterdays once and for all so that you can live out the glorious purpose that he has for you. Before Isaiah finishes this lap with us, I imagine, based on the teaching we studied from Isaiah 6, he would leave us with three final words of encouragement. Here's the first one. You can write this down. God wants to reveal more of himself to you. So I don't care how long you've been a Christian. I don't care if you're on our staff or on our deacon body. I'm speaking to Pastor Reed right now, okay? This is for everybody. He wants you to experience more of him. You ever met somebody that thinks they know it all? You ever met somebody like that? My grandmother was one of those people, kind of. My grandmother, I love her. God rest her soul. She, she, she was a professional singer at one time, and uh, she thought she knew every song that's ever been written in the history of humanity, and she just starts singing it, and she always sang it in harmony. And, uh, and so my cousin, by marriage, Damon, he, uh, <laughs> he, just, he just like this. And so he goes, hey, Grandma, have you heard that song, Chicken on the Rooftop? He just made that up. It's not even a song. And she goes, 
yeah, I think, I think I know that one. I think he goes, hey, how's that go? How's that go? Can you sing it? And so she starts singing a song. She's making it up. Chicken on the roof. She goes, I don't think I know that one, Dave. <laughs> no, Grandma, you don't know that one because it doesn't exist, right? There's some people that are like that spiritually. They think they know everything or they've got every spiritual gift. I had a lady when I was in Austin and we took a spiritual gifts test like we did one we do at Next Steps. And, uh, and she had every spiritual gift, like every one of them. I'm like, you have the spiritual gift of lying. It's what you have. Like, you don't have all of them, lady. <laughs> don't act like you know it all. Instead, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Hey, if you're on our staff, seek the Lord. If you're a deacon, seek the Lord. I'm speaking to myself, seek the Lord. If you're a new member of the church, seek the Lord. If you're a new Christian, seek, go after God. Seek him. Seek the Lord. Call on him. Go after him with all of your heart. And, and Jeremiah 29, 13 adds this. I love this little detail on the command. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. He goes, I don't want you just to seek me. I want you to go all in. You'll find God on one condition. That's if you seek him with all you've got. The secret to finding God is going all in. Go all in. See, the truth is a bunch of you are trying to control your spiritual journey. And God's pulling you and you're tugging the reins for some reason. And I don't know why. I'm just going to say straight up, some of you I, I think are scared. I don't know what you're scared of. Man, I'm afraid God's going to send me to a hut in Africa. I don't want to go to Africa. No, he's not. Listen, anything God calls you to do, you're going to be really, really excited about it. Okay, he's not going to call you to a hut in Africa if you don't have a desire to go to Africa. He's going to give you the desires of your heart, but do so in a way where you, you advance his kingdom. Some of you have been like, I, I don't know, man. You're scared to death of, of what, I, I, what, I don't know about those people raising their hands. I saw people raising their hands this morning. I don't know about that, Right? You know what you need? That, that needs to be your next thing, just to throw your hands up and just start worshiping God in that way. You've been coming to church and, and your toe got the victory, but it hadn't made, your way, made its way up the rest of your body, right? Let's, let's go. Come on. And you can start small, right? Tim Hoggins talks about, you, do, you know, the carry of the TV. You can start here. That's okay. We're carrying the TV, right? Uh, and, 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 and then you just kind of work your way up. That's okay. I, but I think you need to do that. Some of you are just holding back, and I, I don't know why. It's okay, have fun in here. Again, I said it a minute ago, but church is meant to be enjoyed, not endured. Taste and see the Lord is good, scripture says. I had one of our oldest, sweetest saints say to me, um, I didn't know it was okay. He told me this a few weeks ago. I didn't know it was okay to laugh in church. Had no idea. And when you preach, I just laugh and laugh and laugh. I just enjoy myself so much. Had another one of our, our deacons that came to me and said, I I am so expectant on what God's going to do every Sunday, and I get so excited about church, and it's just so much fun. I don't want to miss church, and we had to go to my wife's for Easter, and I didn't want to go, not because I didn't want to go to my wife's, because I didn't want to miss what was happening here, and that's what church should be, that we get excited about what's God going to do today, and and some of you, you might just need to do this a little bit. The international sign of surrender is this move right here. That's it. Anywhere in the world. I surrender. I don't know if anybody's been held at gunpoint. <laughs> I hope not. Um, I've been held up at paintball gunpoint. Uh, we were playing paintball when I was a youth pastor. And uh, BJ Witt, I don't know if you know who that is, but uh, I was, we, were, we were toast. Like our whole team was down. I was the only one left, and they're surrounding me. I can feel them ambushing me. And so I knew I'm fixing to get lit up with paintballs. And so I go, I surrender. 
and BJ shot me. <laughs> then I kicked him out of the youth group. No, I didn't. But this is the international sign of surrender. All right? Think about it. your hands. Your hands are, um, it's probably the most important part of your body. Like pretty much everything you did to get here today, you used your hands. Right? You use them to get ready, to comb your hair, to put on your makeup, ladies, to drive your car here. And when you get arrested, what's the first thing the police officer does? They take your hands out of play, right? They handcuff you. Because they know when they got your hands, they got you. Some of us need to take our hands out of play and just say, God, I surrender to you. I'm just going to worship you. And again, that scares some of you, but this might be a next step for you just to go all in and say, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to do it. And don't listen to me, follow, follow his words. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. Lift your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. That's not my words, that's his words. Lift your hands in the sanctuary, it's okay. I'm telling you, you will go to a place in your journey when you think, what was I waiting for? This is incredible. This is just awesome, just to show God I love him. I surrendered. I'm trying to help you have an encounter with God, everybody. And your life will never make sense until you do. Somebody say amen right there. Okay. You know what else Isaiah would tell you? Isaiah would remind you that God wants to change you. God wants to, he wants to change you. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And that includes me. That's why I need to stay pliable. I need to come to church saying, Lord, what do you want to do on the inside of me today? Because I'm far from perfect. He would remind you of Isaiah 1, 18 and 19. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be white as snow. I want to change you. I want to do something on the inside of you. I want to clean it all up. Though they are red as crimson, they will be like, uh, white like wool. They shall be like wool. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. That's your only role, everybody. Just be willing and obedient. Be willing and obedient. And somebody's thinking, God can't change me. I've been mean my whole life. My daddy's mean. My granddaddy's mean. We're just mean people. No, no. He can change you. It doesn't have to stay that way. Come on, church, let's get together. Let's, let's go to God. Lord, what do you want to do on the inside of me? What do you want to do? Change me. I'm willing and I'm obedient. Read that scares me because I look at my life and there's too much to do. Let me give you one of the most beautiful truths in the whole Bible. It's one of my favorite passages out of 1 Peter 2, 2 and 3. It says, like newborn babies, you must crave change. Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have taste of the Lord's kindness. How does a baby grow? You don't deliver a baby and send it to high school. Good luck, buddy. You don't do that, right? It's one step at a time. Baby steps, baby steps. So if there is a lot to change in you, that's okay. I'm not asking you to change everything overnight. I'm just asking you to, to take a baby step. One of the most fun parts of being a pastor is taking a congregation of this size that is on every spectrum of the spiritual continuum. And you have some people that are, you know, kind of far from God and they're just checking God out. And there's some people that just put their faith in God. And there's some people that have been coming to church for a while. And there's some saints that have been following Jesus longer than I've been alive. And I love that. And the goal for all of us is we want to create a church experience where all you do is simply just take the next step. That's what I'm asking you to do. Just Take the next step. Whatever that step is for you, 
and we all have different steps because we're all in different parts of that continuum, take the next step. That's what we want you to do. Take the next step. So if you're lost, hey, everybody, just give your life to Jesus. I don't want you to join the church. Just give your life to Jesus. I don't want you serving in the nursery. Mm -mm. Just give your life to Jesus. That's your next step. And if you just gave your life to Jesus, then, then, you know, maybe you need to get baptized. I think baptism is a big one. You need to get baptized. I've never done that. That sounds kind of, nope, that's your next step. 27 instances in the New Testament where somebody comes to faith and immediately gets baptized. It's pretty clear that's our next step. We need to get baptized like we celebrated this morning. I got a wedding back band on. I'm, I'm taken, right? You can't have this. Not that anybody actually wants this, but you can't have this, right? And I wear this. I wear something to let everybody know I belong to somebody. What is that in the Christian faith? It's baptism. I belong to somebody. That's what baptism is. So I, I encourage you to get baptized. Listen to Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. I want you to get baptized. Take the next step. We can do it today. Last time I checked, there's still water in that tank. I would love to baptize. Well, my family's not here. Hey, we've got a photographer who's awesome. We'll take pictures and send them the pictures. I've got t-shirts. I've got shorts. I've got hair dryers. I've got everything you need. We're set up. We'll do it as soon as service is over. I'd love to baptize you today. That would be amazing. All you have to do is say, I'm willing and I'm obedient. For some of you, you've been in this church for a long time. You're like, I think this is kind of home for me. You need to join the church. That's a great next step for you. For some of you, you've been in the church a long time for years, and you've never found a place to serve. Come to Next Steps next Sunday at 9.30, and let's find out how you're gifted, how you're wired, what you're passionate about, and get you on the team. And here's the last thing, and I'm done. God has an assignment for you. He does. He has an assignment for you. For you. That motivates the fire out of me. You know why God wants to have an encounter with you? Do you know why God wants to touch you in the way he does? Do you know why God wants to change you? Do you know why God wants to take you through this whole process? Look me in my eyes. It's because you're part of his plan. And he doesn't have a plan B. And his plan's working pretty good here, but it'd be working a whole lot better if you got involved in the plan. That excites me. He has an assignment, not for pastors, not for people on the staff. He has an assignment for you. It's part of his grand, grand design. So Isaiah would say this in closing in chapter 60, verses one through three. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Listen to this last statement. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Hey, church, we need to get up. We need to shine. Why? Because darkness covers the earth and he needs his kids to shine bright their light. The thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises on you in the middle of all that darkness and his glory is going to appear, the verse says. And you know what's going to happen? Nations, nations will come to that light. Your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, they're going to come to that light. They're going to see Jesus. Let's bow together.